Okay. So thank you guys for joining and welcome to the Sichas Ran Shir, which we are going to jump into. I believe we're up to Sichas Aran Samach Beis. So that's all very exciting and I hope everybody had the most beautiful Shabbos, having the most amazing start of your week. And uh, let's jump into it with Hashem's help. So I'm going to share my screen here so that we can all see the text. Okay, very important idea today. Okay. And the Tzaddik says, Da. He says, You should know that the human being contains within himself or within herself tremendous abilities, tremendous, tremendous capacities to shift things, to cause things to change. We're going to learn exactly in what way. It's a very delicate thing. We have to be careful with this idea, as we'll, as we'll speak about. But let's go slow. He says, the first thing is, everybody's always looking for segulas outside of themselves. Says the Rebbe, you contain a segula inside of yourself. Inside, not outside. Not to do a segula. You are a segula. You have to activate it. How so? Ki al he says the human being has the capacity to actually cause to happen what one is thinking about intensely. We can actually cause something to happen by virtue of our thought. And here the Rebbe first gives a negative example. Even inflation, even rising, rising prices that can also be caused by the way that people think. Not that things happen and that causes people to think in a certain way, but the thinking is itself what can cause certain things to transpire. An amazing idea. Now here the Rebbe, before we start to just talk about the Nakuda, first the Rebbe sort of explains what kind of machshava we're speaking about. We're not just speaking about any old kind of thought, as it were. But the Rebbe over here says, When a person's entire conscious powers of cognition are completely bound up and holding on to one thing, that these things must happen, let's say. right? It must be this way. Every kind of level of thought, your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, which on our level means thinking about something consciously and then just in general, our attitudes, our paradigms, the way that we see the world. Until the essence of our thought, if we're fully, fully, fully thinking about one thing. So he says, And we don't become confused by this at all. And we're not distracted and we're not thinking something else. We just sit and we have a thought session. 
just focused on visualizing this thing happening, a certain thing that we want to happen, without any bilbo, without being confused in a tilamashavacheris, without thinking any other um, secondary thoughts, just this one thing, Agedezes, as the Rebbe, this kind of thinking, Hing Alam, this can cause Shabahechrich Yia Kane. We can, so to speak, force this to actually happen. So for those that are familiar just in general with the world and trends in the world and popular things that go on in, in, in Western culture at least, but all around the world, this will sound very familiar. Because more recently, over the past five to ten years, there's been this idea really made famous by a book and, and subsequently by a film called The Secret of the law of attraction. And the law of attraction, also referred to as L-O-A, so how it's sort of, um, the way that we refer to it by Rosh Tevis, the law of attraction basically states, and it goes a little bit more complexly in the level of energies and different things, but the general idea is, is that the way that a person thinks has the capacity to allow what the person is thinking about to actually manifest in reality. This is also called manifesting, manifestation. The law of attraction. What a person thinks about, how the person thinks, will actually draw that reality into that person's life. And this is a very, very strong pillar of new age psychology, you know, obviously positive thinking and, and, and affirmations and visualizations and all of this kind of um, messaging about the ability for the person to step into the driver's seat in life and not to allow oneself to become the victim of one's circumstances, but to play a role in shaping the circumstances in one's life to actually attract a better life or to cause better things to happen instead of just being the victim of the things we perceive as being done to us against our will or without our being able to actually uh, play a role in the process. So on the one hand, this is, of course, a very empowering idea. There are some obvious pitfalls to this and questions on this mahalach, which is why it can't be an ironclad rule, which itself a little bit pulls the rug out from the secular conception of the law of attraction, which we'll get to in a minute. That is, well, does that mean to suggest that all the people in the world that are suffering just don't want to not suffer badly enough? Because presumably, according to the law of attraction, the reason why a person would have something good is because their mom is thinking positively and believe that that thing is in their reach or they're just being consciously um, thinking all the time about this happening, this manifesting in their lives. But what about all the people that nebuch, that they live miserable lives? Does this shift the blame on them in the same way that it shifts the, the, the beautiful um, lot of empowerment onto the lap of those that, are, that, that feel subject to their circumstances, telling them that you can change? So, so that means that everybody else is guilty, that they're, they're at fault? Can we say such a thing that people who are, who are hungry, people who are out of work, people, that it's their fault because ah, it, must be, it must be that you don't want food badly enough? How could that be? Right, so it cannot be an ironclad rule, but you do see that this thing arises in many, many, many different cultures, many different spiritual disciplines, from Yiddishkeit, but we find this as a very strong idea. One of the reasons that this is challenging to the religious mind 
is because there seems to be something egocentric about this way of thinking. We're all for putting people in the driver's seat in the sense of empowerment. But if all of life and all of our circumstances and all of our experiences are essentially reduced to how strongly or how inversely, how weakly we may be thinking about a certain thing or wanting a certain thing to happen, then where is their place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu in life? Where is their space for Hashkacha? Where is their space for the divine providence that we believe is actually operating in accordance with a higher wisdom, with a higher intellect, and that, for reasons of its own, reasons that we may never discover, actually is what causes things to happen in our life by Hashkacha Pratis. How does this work? Is this the same as tefillah? Is HaKadosh Baruch Hu sending certain challenges to us for the purpose of us sitting in the driver's seat, taking over and manifesting our way to salvation with visualization, with law of attraction thinking? Unfortunately, we see that many of the law of attraction um, um not proponent, yeah, proponents of the law of attraction, those that are holding onto this and pushing it, mostly, if you'll notice, they're speaking about this worldly things. Manifest abundance is another big key word in that community. Manifest wealth, manifest another car or a better job or a bigger house. Very rarely do you find these chevers speaking about manifesting you know, an optimistic or positive outlook on other people or on oneself or manifesting a greater sense of kindness or gratitude. Really, it, it sometimes comes along with, oftentimes seems to come along with messaging about, about, um, about this worldly abundance, this worldly success. And I, I think that that's not a coincidence. I think that it's one stream of thinking. In the mind of the secular practitioner of visualization or law of attraction, Effectively, this position pushes Hashem out of the picture so much that any thought of a next world is also is also torn away. And it all becomes about this world and it all becomes essentially about me and what I'm able to get and what I'm, I'm able to cause to happen in a world where I'm at the center and there's no other consideration. That's oftentimes what we find. And so what Rabbi Nachman is saying would seem to sound very similar and, and seem to be a very strong source for the law of attraction in Yiddishkeit. But of course, we're going to have to approach it in a very delicate way to try to see how not only is this not a, a stira, contradictory to faith, but on the contrary, we're going to see how this itself can become, to the religious conception, the greatest manifestation, manifestation of faith, the greatest alignment with our emuna, as we're going to see with But just to be aware that this does sound, it's an amazing source. Rabbi Nachman seems to say the koyach of machshava can actually cause things to happen, can bring things, mikoyach, from the world of potential, elapoyal, into the world of the actual. And this is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us. Vigami gives another caveat, another guideline as to how to, to, to do this properly. Vigam shamachshava tiyeh beprate pratius. The thought needs to be extremely specific. And not just generally thinking about just, you know, how great would it be for life to be better. It's not just for life to be better. We get into the specificity of exactly, exactly what you mean when you talk about a better life. What does a better life look like? 
how can we focus on the specific details that we hope that HaKadosh Baruch will help us bring into existence. Right? If life gets better, what does that look like? Mamish, day to day, minute to minute. How would things change practically? Because he says, if a person only thinks in much more of a general way, he says it's an aspect of, of broken, incomplete vessels. It's not, it's not whole. And then a person starts to make errors. As the Gemara tells us, Nevat made a mistake. He saw some kind of bodily sign involving fire on his own physical body. He thought that he was supposed to become the king. He started to rebel against David HaMelech. But he didn't know that it wasn't he supposed to, who was supposed to be the king, but Yeravam, his son, was going to eventually become a king. But he wasn't ma'ayin enough. And he didn't focus on the specificity enough. He just thought about a bederach klal. And he found a remez. He saw some kind of inion of, of fire. And he thought that that was a symbol for his own malchus. But the truth is, is that it wasn't a reference to him. It was a reference to his son. And so Rabbi Nachman says, we have to get into the specifics of it. Not just bederach klal. And here the Rebbe says, This applies also, not just generally in life, but this applies to our learning. If a person's thought is going to be extremely, extremely powerful, then we can cause our desires to reach goals in our Torah learning, to manifest as well. However, says the Rebbe again, It has to be super powerful, super strong, not stam in general. The Rebbe gives an example, that a person should think in one's mind, that Hashem should help him merit, and not just that Hashem should help him merit, but he will certainly merit Again, with a positive, optimistic thinking, even with a certainty, which is what we call emuna, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> that, the, that the power of thought should be so strong, and absolutely bound with this. For example, a person can make up his mind and not with wishful thinking, but with absolute certainty, say to himself, this year, I'm going to learn the entire Shulchan Aruch. The orf, all four, Chalakim, all four volumes of Shulchan Aruch, with all of the Perushim, the Yachshev Yitzayer B'daytoy, and then he should stop, and he should begin to think in his mind, and to envision the details of how he's going to do that. How is he going to learn them? What will it look like for him to sit and to learn them? To manage? Imagine this. The Kamazman. How much time will it take? How much time is he going to devote to it each day? What would that lifestyle be like if, if, he, if he worked into his daily schedule as it is now? A half hour for learning Shulchan Aruch. 
which is how much you need to learn in order to finish it in one year, he decides, okay, I'm going to learn five pages in one day, until he says, I'm going to finish the whole thing in one year. And then again, he focuses all of the energies of the mind, subconscious, conscious, fully invests in the specific, specific thinking about the way in which he's going to apply this commitment, this hope, this dream, this vision. Again, he invests all the energies of his mind, of his thinking very well. With incredible power. Until one's mind and one's thinking is bound up with this hope and with this dream very, very powerfully. Very much. He says this is just one example. But the same applies for all different kinds of limudim, all different kinds of learning. Kigon shas. If a person takes upon himself to finish shas, im harif v'harash v'turim, with their halachic commentaries and codifiers, the rif and the rush and the tur, the tanach v'chayetzer. Whether a person wants to go through tanach, it shouldn't just be this hope. You know, I hope one day I'll merit to to learn tanach, or even making up one's mind. It's got to be stronger than that. Not just a fleeting thought, but a decision, a commitment, a resolution, and then to take time to allow one's entire mind, with all the energies of the cognitive processes and capacities, to become saturated with this vision. With this vision alone. And it's an avoida to do this. And along with this, there's a, a longing, and a yearning, and to invest himself completely into imagining what this experience might feel like, what it would look like, what it would feel like, how sweet it would be, how wonderful it would be. The Toykev Gadol with tremendous concentration, tremendous focus, as Ayiskesh year came. Tzadi is a mistake. Then a person will merit for this to be the case. Shia Kane. That this is how things will actually unfold. This is how things will be. And Rabbi Nachman says, We can find already this concept hinted to in the Gemara Sanhedrin, which is a remez, because as we're going to say, the Gemara means something different there. The Masha Amru, in this how the Gemara says, Machshava Ma'elas Afilu the simple understanding of the Gemara is that the Gemara tells us that a person has to be careful even to let one's mind wander while learning because the Gemara warns that that thought can distract a person even from learning. Don't think that a person is involved in something so holy and something so uh, consuming as learning Torah that you don't have to be so guarded against machshavos that will seep in, says the Gemara, no. But milashen, like something that's blemishing the Torah. That's what it means on a simple level. That machshava, a, a, a distracting thought can get in the way even of a person's learning. But says the Rebbe something else. He says, no. 
He says the word mo'eles can also mean to assist, to help. Dehainu, and the Rebbe is reading it, machshava mo'eles. One's mind can actually help afilu l'divrei Torah. Even with regard to the person's yearning to learn and the goals that one sets in learning. Mo'eles l'divrei Torah. Dehainu shomo'eles u'mesayeyelaze afilu l'divrei Torah. That thinking, visualizing, manifesting, we're going to learn about in what way, because it's very nuanced and delicate and has to be done with balance, so as not to fall into the, into the pit, into the abyss, into the mistake of the ego, which sees itself as causing things to happen irrespective of Hashem's ratzon and Hashem's part in it. But he says if we do this properly, then a feel of the divertira, it can even help us meet our goals in learning. Even though Rashi, of course, explains the Gemara there, as we said, on a simple level, which means really the opposite somewhat, right? That thought can get in the way of learning, not that thought helps one accomplish goals in learning. He says, He says, this is also true, that this is the Gemara's intention. Says Reb Nassim that Reb Nachman didn't develop this idea further. We can learn the Gemara both ways with both perushim. And on the one hand, it means that a person has to be careful because because ra'a, that a distracting thought can get in the way of one's learning. It's true. But on the other hand, it means what Reb Nachman says over here that if a person will invest his mind, his visualization, his imagination to really envision success in learning, but not just in general, specific, to really close one's eyes and to invest all the power of one's thinking to imagine what it, what it will be like to sit and to learn and to be engaged in this avoda. He says, the machshava me'elas. This kind of machshava, which is so powerful and consuming, will actually cause a person to achieve success in his limud. Okay, this idea comes up in Likutim Aran Kuvtsadi Gimel as well. And it's a little bit more parenthetic. Obviously, it's a, it's a whole lesson in Likutim Aran, so obviously it's endless and there's so much depth to, to go into. So we have to focus on it, but it's not really the Nakuda that I want to focus on for the rest of the time that we have, but it's important to see. So let's try to get through it just to see what he says. Because it's a related teaching, and then we're going to get into the Zara Kaddish and the Tanya and the other sources that we have with Hashem's help. And I thank you all for joining. Thanks for being a part of it. I can't see any faces, but I presume that you're there. I hope you're there. Okay. Says the Eilig Rebbe. Da, a person has to know. Like he says in our lesson, that the power of thought, the human mind, has a tremendous toikif, has a tremendous, tremendous power. Same thing like he says in Sikha Saran, if a person will strengthen and connect his thinking with whatever it is in the world, it can actually cause that thing to happen in the real world. And the Rebbe says over here also, in a way of Gashmi, if a person will focus enough on this, that he would like to have parnasa, not opulence, parnasa. 
In fact, says the Rebbe, this can emerge to be the case. And the same is true for anything. Rak, here the Rebbe clarifies again what kind of thought are we thinking. Where the thought is so powerful and that's where we are wrapped up in our consciousness that we don't even feel anything. We're completely wrapped up in our thinking, in our envisioning to the point that we don't even feel anything else. That's a very, very high level. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of calm, a lot of yishav hadas. And it takes the right circumstances for a person to be able to do this avoda, to go to a quiet place. And really just to move up, to move in to one's mind. To still the mind of everything else, all the other feelings and worries and past and future. And just to do nothing else but this kind of visualization that the Rebbe says. In specific, 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 specific visualizations. And here the Rebbe says a scary thing. That the truth is that thought is so powerful the Rebbe says I want you to know that you could mamish that you a person Nebuch, could achieve giving his soul back to Hashem just by thinking too strongly about what that might be what that might feel like and yearning for that to happen. That itself can cause Nebuch, a person's soul, to go back to Hashem, to leave one's body. That's how powerful the Machshava is. It can even negate itself. It can even cause for the complete annihilation of consciousness. For the person to suffer the actual pain of death itself. By virtue of this, that the person thinks, I want to be Zaycha to give up my life. Al Kiddushim Shemayim. Be'ezah Misa Shatiyah with whatever kind of death. But if a person thinks as an Avoda and Mamish invests the Koach, the power of one's thought in this way, that can cause a person to leave the world. This is how powerful it is. That's why it's very, it's very delicate. It's very dangerous. A person has to be careful what we use this power for, this internal Segula for. He says it could be that the person is thinking so strongly and envisioning this experience of death so powerfully that at that time that he thinks in his head I'm willing and I'm ready to give up my life the person can actually begin to feel the sensation of death itself. On the, on the purely physical, this worldly level. And with this, Rabbi Nachman explains the famous expression, the famous statement of Rabbi Akiva, when Nebuch tragically, they're scraping Rabbi Akiva's flesh off him with these iron rakes, Rachman al and his Rebbe asks him, they see, and his Talmidim ask him, they see that he's saying Kriya Shema. And they say to him, Rebbe, Kulei Hai, until this level, 
You're willing to hold on to faith and you're willing to proclaim your faith in Hashem when this is your tragic end? And Rabbi Akiva answers, Kol Pasik He says, I want to let you know that my whole life I was pained over this verse. When will I be able to go and give my life? Hashem Echad to become one with Hashem through this experience of eradicating the body and releasing the soul to the higher realms. That's what a Dalid, we're supposed to have in mind, the Dalid Mises based in that a person should be ready and willing and able to give oneself because this 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 world and our physical experience is, is just temporary. It's just, this is not who we really are. This is not what we live for. And so if the moment comes that we're expected to give our lives, the chai behem, but without those, th- those three, or at a time of shmad, when a person is expected and even commanded to give his life, there's no greater level than that to die al-Kiddush um, and so over here, Rabbi Akiva tells them, on the contrary, my whole life I was longing for this. A crazy madriga. I was looking forward to this, to be able to do this. All my days, when will I be able to achieve this? And Achshav, now that I'm experiencing it, I shouldn't, I shouldn't rejoice. Says the Rebbe, look, Deeply and carefully at the words. At the time of Kriya Shema, the Rabbi Akiva said his whole life, or after he became Rabbi Akiva, and he began to learn, and he began to grow, and he began his meteoric rise to the level that we can't even imagine that the Rabbi Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, such a madrega, certainly when he was saying Kriya Shema, he accepted upon himself this experience of the Arba Misas based in not just in a, in a sense of, oh, theoretically I'm willing to do it, but he mamish in the way that we're describing, he invested all of his thought, all the powers of his internal and external conscious, subconscious, every part of him. Like we learned from Rabbi Nachman, without feeling anything else, to envisioning when he says Echad and the Dalit of, of, um, of the word Echad in Kriya Shema, Dalit Mises based in, he envisioned it so powerfully. He actually literally experienced this pain already. Every time he said Kriya Shema, he experienced this pain because we said that if a person focuses so deeply, it can actually cause that sensation to come from the realm of the potential into the realm of the actual. From our perspective, this world. As if he was being stoned, and, and being burned, and there was no difference between the actual pain of that experience and Rabbi Akiva's experience of that internally by virtue of his thought and how powerfully he was investing this kind of thinking in, in this avoida of giving one's life. Al-Kiddush Hashem. And that's what Rabbi Akiva meant when he said, Kol yamai, all my days, ha'yisimitzta'er. What does that mean? I was pained over this verse. On a, on, a, on a simple level, it means that he really wanted to, to fulfill it. He wanted to reach this madrega. 
But it's a madriga that has to be cast upon a person. A person doesn't just give his life al Kiddush Shem Shemayim for nothing. It's usher to do that, obviously. And that's not part of the, uh, the ideal of what it is to live. V'chai bahen. Kaddish Baruch wants us to live in this world. V'charta v'chayim. To mamish choose life. So on a simple level, it means Rabbi Kiva was in pain because there was a madriga that he wanted to reach, but he, he was asking Hashem, Rabbi Shalom, when am I going to merit this? And it, and, it, and it hurt him, as it were. It pained him that he, he, wasn't, he wasn't able to reach this madriga yet. That's what it means on a simple level. But it says the Rebbe, it means literally. When Rabbi Akiva was saying Kriya Shema, he experienced the pain. That very pain in and of itself. Rabbi Nachman says, paraphrasing Rabbi Akiva over here, Rabbi Akiva told them, in this that she arti, that I imagined, I used my koyach hadimian, vikibalti bedaiti, and I already accepted it in my mind, and I envisioned it, and I got excited about it. What it will look like when I'm able actually to go ahead and to give my life in this way, limtsar nafshi al kiddush Hashem, to give my life al kiddush Hashem. He was telling his students, you think this is something new? This is every day of my life. This is three times a day I'm saying Kriya Shema. And I've always experienced this pain. I've always experienced it because the Machshava is so powerful that it can cause the person to literally feel what the person is focusing on, on an emotional and even on a physical level. If a person binds his thought powerfully enough in this specific kind of very, very intense way, says Rabbi Akiva to his students, so then, and now that I'm actually able to go ahead and to embrace this experience, I shouldn't do that. It's not something new. I was always feeling this pain. Just from this that I was thinking so powerfully about it. And then the Rebbe says to be cautious. Where he says, If a person really begins to go through this process to invest all the koichas of one's thought, internal, external, like we said, so powerfully, he says a person can actually leave this world from this. And it can actually bring about this person's demise. Leaving the world, passing away. That when a person thinks with such intensity, in such a strong way, there's really no difference, he says, between the thinking of it and the experiencing of it in life and the actual experience of death itself. Al-Kain, therefore, says the Rebbe Tzarek, A person has to be careful about this Avodah, even though it's a very lofty thing. And, of course, it, re- it requires a healthy psyche, you know, to engage in this kind of thinking because it could be very triggering. It could be very, very, uh, very dark. It could be very... Um, uh, damaging to, to certain kinds of people if they're really going to envision themselves 
Uh, I'm going through such traumatic experiences could bring up a lot of a lot of pain. So you have to know if it's right for you, you know, and where you're holding, whether to set aside time to really focus on this kind of thinking. But the Rebbe says, if you should happen to walk in the foot in the footsteps of Rabbi Akiva, so he says a person has to hold himself back. If a person starts to feel that we're, we're getting close and mamas, you feel that there's some kind of separation happening because of this incredibly powerful visualization that a person is taking the time to really focus on as an avoida in and of itself, got to pull back. Because that can actually... Mamish, it's a scary thing. It's like, it's confounding. This can actually cause the person to leave the world. We have to be very careful about this. Okay, so here you see there's another source in Kitzvei Breslev where the Rebbe speaks about this kind of thing where again, just reading the first line again, which is aligned with what we're learning at Sichasran. That thought is so powerful that it can actually bring things into reality. And the Rebbe over here actually does use a mashal gashmi for this, which is, which is mamun, which is parnasa. Thinking about this, visualizing it, like he says, which is not just any kind of thinking, just like thinking how nice it would be, but really, at like again, it's at like a session. You have to set aside time. You have to sit in a quiet place and do nothing, but visualize. It's an avoida. With great joy and great confidence, that that can actually bring something into being. So we have these two sources, Sichasaran Samach Beis and Lakutimran Kuf Gimel. But the question is, and this is something that we began with, how are we to hold these two concepts in our mind? That on the one hand, Hashem runs His world, and Ashkacha is real, and everything that we experience is by Ashkacha Pratis, and that the circumstances that we go through in life are gifted to us by HaKadosh Baruch Hu for our own tikkun and everything that we're experiencing, we need to be experiencing, so on and so forth. With this idea that I and you and all of us have the capacity to set aside time, to sit, and just by virtue of our thinking about things being different in a certain specific, very intense way, we can change things. So then who's in control? Who's in the driver's seat? And where is their place here for HaKadosh Baruch So that's why it's so important to understand, which we began with, that in Breslev and in Torah, the, the, the quote-unquote law of attraction is true, but it's approached from a completely different angle. Bringing Hashem into the picture, as we're about to see from the Heli Kadosh, we understand that there are three steps in the process. Or really, when I get two steps in the process. It's not simply that we're able to sit, envision something, and that actually causes whatever we were thinking to come into being, as if our machshava caused it, but rather, the way that we understand it in Rabbi Nachman and in the Tanya, we're going to see from the Magna Mizrich and the Zara Kaddish, is that when we think in an optimistic, positive 
way, very specifically and very powerfully, about something positive happening in life, about something changing, about us meriting for things to be better than they were until now. This is taking place within the context, and these are the important words here, of yichsoif, of longing, yishtoikik, and yearning, the yachshoif, and that's what we're thinking about, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to bring into being that which we believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so kind that, that He's Mamish going to bring that into our lives. It's a very different thing. So it's not that we're in control, we're in the driver's seat, we're making things happen because we're thinking in a certain way and our thinking about it makes it happen. It's all within the context of emuna. It's all within the context, not that I believe in myself so much and my capacity to make things happen by thinking about them that I'm going to sit and think about them. But it's that I believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so good and I rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's chesed so intensely that it would be foolish for me to sit and to think about any other possibility other than the most beneficial, optimistic, positive, uh, wondrous way of thinking that life could possibly unfold. So it's a subtle difference, but it's mamish kemerchak mizrach mimarev. It couldn't be more different one from the other. Because over here in the religious conception of things, it's not our machshava that makes things happen. It's our emunah in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's goodness that draws that reality into the present experience of day-to-day life. Hashem is not just part of the picture. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the picture frame. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the canvas upon which any good thing in life can possibly ever be painted. And our understanding that, and our expressing our faith, is the segula here. So that's the very important point that we need to remember when talking about the law of attraction or visualization in a religious context we need to make sure that it doesn't become an ego thing. It doesn't become uh, you know, some kind of ironclad rule that any person that does this can force this to happen and look how powerful we are. And oftentimes, like we pointed out, this kind of thinking will actually lead more often than not to the person really thinking in a very megushamdika way about this world and about, about physical or financial prosperity instead of higher levels, instead of more elevated ways of thinking. Now the whole Rosh Hashanah, which is the Rosh of the Shana, it's bound up with thought, with Machshava, that the Rebbe says you have to be very careful, like we learned, I think, in our, in our learning already, that a person needs to be careful to only think good thoughts on Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah is mamish the, the Rosh of the year. It is the capacity of cognition where everything is rooted is we have to be very careful to be thinking, certainly on Rosh Hashanah, to be thinking these positive thoughts. But if you'll notice, the whole davening is filled not just with, and really almost very, very little of it is about us and about Bani Chayu, Mazoyin, and maybe the Avinu Makenus, we daven for Parnasa. 
But on Rosh Hashanah, we're thinking about the highest madregas. Bring about a reality in the world that's glowing with your presence. Let every being, let every animal, let every insect, let every blade of grass, let every stone and let every person certainly, and every Jew, recognize that you created the world. These are the kinds of thinking these are the kinds of thoughts and yearnings that we should really be focusing on if we're mamish conscious yidin to use this properly to bring Hashem into the picture and to realize it's not us, it's, it's not that we're doing it. It's that our emuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do it. As the Pasuk and Tehillim says, The one who has bitachin in HaKadosh Baruch Hu He'll be surrounded with goodness, with kindness. As Rabbi Nachman says, that bitachin is a kli. The more the person has bitachin, the more we are making a vessel so that a Kaddish Baruch whose light comes down. And so when we're thinking about this, and we're thinking about what we want to happen, and we're thinking about uh, whatever we want to accomplish, it has to be in the context of emuna. It has to be in the context of bitachin. Not to sit and to say, if I think about this powerfully enough, I'm going to force it to happen. Look how powerful I am. It's mamish the hepech. It's the opposite of the religious conception of the law of attraction that Rabbi Nachman is speaking about it here. It's all within the context of emuna and bitachin to think, Rabbi Shalom, I believe you're so good. And I believe that you're the kal yachal. That I have no doubt that you're going to enable me to, to meet my goals. You're going to enable my life to become filled with holiness and goodness. And you know what happens then? It's not a linear process. It's not causal. You thought it and so it happens. But rather, when we demonstrate our emunah in our Kaddish Baruch Hu so deeply, then our Kaddish Baruch Hu says, you're ready. You're ready to be the recipient of all the goodness that you're hoping for. Because I trust that you'll find me in it. I trust that it will not become a stumbling block for you to further reinforce this kind of egotistical thinking that I don't need Hashem. On the contrary, lehepech, it will only serve to reinforce your faith in me because it's all taking place within the context of faith. Says the Zara Kadesh, come and see. Alma tata'a, the lower world, tadir, is always arranged in such a way where it wants to receive from the upper realms. And it's called a good stone. For those who are following the Shabbos Shirim, this goes very much into what we were speaking about the Levana, about the moon. The Evan Tov that Avraham Avinu had hanging from his neck that reflected the sunlight is the whole shir that we gave two weeks ago. It's talking about Malchus, talking about this world. But the upper world will only give the lower world in accordance with the way that it is, in accordance with its state. Mamish, an amazing Zayar. If the lower realm is going to exist in a state of joy, in a state of optimistic positivity, in a, in a state of openness, in a state of readiness, in a state of trust, this is exactly what will shine into it from above. 
If it's going to exist in a state of sadness, then it will draw down upon itself din, severity, harshness, concealment, the withholding of chesed. And that's why the Pasuk and Tehillim tells us, Ivdu es Hashem besimcha. Try as much as you can to be besimcha. Not because things are good, but because simcha will enable things to be good. Chedva de barnash, this very powerful, famous line from the Zayar, the joy of a person, becomes the magnet for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to send down rejoicing from above. All taking place within the context of emuna, within the context of understanding it's not we that are making this happen, it's our emuna that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can make it happen, that will create the vessel for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to say, you know something, you're right. I can do that, and I will do that. Because this world is only a recipient from what comes upon it from above, but what comes upon it from above is, is, is directly reliant on the state of the vessel below, on the state of the Evan Toiv that's reflecting the light of the sun. And so it's not that things are going wrong and so we're sad. It's that we're sad and so things are going wrong. And the same applies for joy. We are not happy when things go right. When we are in a state of simcha, then things go right. And we find that things taka go right in life. When we're optimistic, when, we're, when we think positively, when we expect goodness, when we're open to whatever eventuality that will come with the confidence that Hashem is running the world and kalmada abd rahman al-tavavid, then taka things will be good. Says the Hail Gatanya in the famous 11th letter in Igaris HaKodesh, it's called Lahaskil Chabina, that's the heading, and I can't encourage you enough to, uh, to, to find the translation, I'm sure you can Google it. Tanya Igaris HaKodesh 11, it's not very long, one of the most fundamental essays that you'll find in, in Hasidah, it's very, very famous, it's called Lahaskil Chabina, so important. So this is just a few lines. And the Helga Balatanya says, the Yam and a person should believe that the truth is that all the things that a person goes through and all the tragedies and all the circumstances that are difficult and all the pain and all the suffering and all the challenges, that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is giving you these things and making you or whoever go through these kinds of hurdles and challenges Mamish for your life, for you, not to pain you, but on the contrary, to help you come to your ultimate potential, your ultimate potential of being able to transcend circumstances, being able to push forward, being able to find faith in places you'd never think that you'd be able to find it. That everything in our lives, in the prate pratis, in the smallest little details, is drawn upon us, not from the other side, chas v'shalom, rather, mamish from Hashem, only Hashem. Hashem is the one 
that lays out before us our steps. There's nothing without HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Cain, and if this is true, then Hakol Toiv Betachlis. Then the truth is that in some realm that we're not privy to right now at this moment in time, everything is Toiv Betachlis, the pinnacle, pinnacle of goodness. Hashem knows what He's doing. He's running this ship. He's the captain. That's called Abmuna. That's called Bitachin. Rakshayna Musag. But right now, we don't experience that in this world all the time. And here the Balatanya says, Ube Emuna Zu Be'emes. When a person will have this kind of machshava. And like Rabbi Nachman says, it has to be in the specifics. Mamish to specifically think about and envision things getting better. What it will look like when things are better. What it will look like when we strive toward our goals and implement all of our resolutions and really commit ourselves to envision that, to, to really sit and to visualize out of emuna, out of bitachin, out of knowledge and, and awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love and so on and so forth. So then Chassid Yisrael says the Baal Tanya, this will actually cause this to be the case in this world as well, gam through this faith that a person believes that all of this that appears to be negative on the surface that the truth is that any little fragment of life is coming from the, from the upper elevated realm of goodness which is Hashem's mind, which we have no asaga in, just this little flash of human consciousness for, for 120 years. It's, it's nothing. It's a blip on the radar of what's really unfolding throughout the whole story of humanity from the beginning of history to the end of history. Everything is coming from Gan Eden Mamish, which is higher than Olam Haba. When a person holds on strongly to this faith, all that appears to be ra on the outside, if we mamish go with this kind of emuna and bitachin, it will actually go ahead and become included in this realm of goodness to the point that things will begin to change in this world as well. We're not, so it's not that we're fighting against what is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me difficult circumstances. I'm in the driver's seat because I read the secret and I know that my thought can change things. So who needs Hashem? I'm just going to think about something else and I'm going to manifest a better life. Mamish, <laughs> the hepich of, of, of how the Jew thinks. It's the opposite. Kipshuta, the opposite. By the Yid, Adarabah, it starts with acceptance. It starts with realizing that everything that I'm experiencing, even the Ra, is itself really Toiv. Then, I also believe that there's something called Toiv Nigla, Toiv Hanirav Haniglas, that there's something good that's seen and revealed, and I would rather that. So, I don't, it doesn't mean that I'm rebelling against what is. It doesn't mean that I'm saying what I'm experiencing now isn't good. I know that it's good, and I believe that it's good. But I have a muna, not only that things are good now already, but that things are going to mamash get better. Says the Tanya, says the Zayar, says Rabbi Nachman. That's when things start to change. You'll see things start to shift. 
But don't wait until things shift to start thinking positively. Start to think positive. You'll see things will begin to shift in your life. You'll start to process things through a different paradigm and doors will begin to open left and right. Let's finish off with the Gemagadam is rich. This teaching is also brought in slightly different words from the Baal Shem HaKadosh and Kesar Shem Tov. We just read this and we'll finish. Ah, here he brings the Pasuk. Okay. A person that trusts in a Kadosh Baruch Hu will find that his life is saturated with kindness. And it goes both ways. That <laughs> no matter how difficult your life is, it's already saturated with kindness. It's all kindness. And that Amuna. And then this visualizing power against the backdrop of faith will actually cause things to change. Says, says the Magad HaMezirich, The opposite is also true. That a person is always nervous, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and the world is falling apart and everything is doomed and, and, and there's, you know, the governments are all out to get us and, and this, all these kinds of thinking, like mamas, you're living under, under the, you know, the, the, the mountain of Harsinai that threatens to crush us any moment, that some people, mamas, live in this kind of, in this kind of thinking with pachadi seira, like, like mamish, things that you can't control, things that you can't change, things that you don't know for sure, things. mamish people, mamish live in such a pachad all the time what the person is doing is actually binding oneself with din. And those people are more likely to actually experience what they were afraid of. Their fear I will bring upon them. But not what they feared I will bring upon them. Because they feared Avilahem. They channel din into their lives. Wherever a person thinks, that's where the person is connected to. If a person walks around doom and gloom, you know, expecting failure, expect, goes into a work interview expecting to be, to be uh, you know, not to be accepted for the job, this is our expectation. What's going to happen? For sure, it's not going to work. But if a person will go through life trusting and expecting goodness, expect positivity, expect success, and that's the person's attitude, he binds, he binds his soul there in the realm of chesed, and and that kindness will surround him. And he says this is a very big rule. Bury yourself in godliness all the time. In what is, in what will be. This, my friends, this is the law of attraction. This is the holy version of what can otherwise be mamish toma of manifesting, visualizing, has to be done very, very carefully. And out of this incredible foundation of faith, of emuna, of bitachin, that's how this works. Not that my mind is the all-being and it can bring into reality what it wants and that what I'm suffering now is so terrible and now I can bring something into being with the power of my thought. No. Everything is Hashem. What I'm experiencing now that seems to be bad is not bad. I just can't see it. And I'm batuach. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so full of mercy that He's going to allow me to experience not just the hidden mercy, 
and kindness that's concealed. But he's going to allow me to experience revealed mercy as well. And then we sit and we visualize what will this look like. And then we go and we engage in all those uh, uh, striving and all of that trying to accomplish and you know toward all of our goals, whether it's in learning, whether it's in ruchnis, also bikashmis, bani whatever we need in life, we proceed with a, with a with a hop in our step. We believe that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is mamish holding our hand. We believe that Hashem is kind. We believe that Hashem loves us. We believe that a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants the best for us. And when we do this, we make the Kli of Bitachin. We create the channel. Ratzon, of course, is the letters Tsinar. Our Ratzon. To experience Hashem's kindness itself becomes this pipe, this pipeline. And we draw a Kodesh Baruch Hu's kindness into our lives. So this is a huge teaching. This is so important, specifically today, when there are so many reasons to be negative. There are so many reasons to really live expecting things to not work out. So many, so many reasons because of our own past experiences, but who's to know whether we feel that way because things have not been going right or whether things haven't been going right because maybe we feel that way. Who's to know what came first? And the tzaddikim are telling us what comes first is emunah. What comes first is mindset. What comes first is our perspective. And in as much as we're willing to engage with a positive perspective of optimistic, like they say in Chabad, based on this, trach good, think good, unved zayn good, and that will mamish cause that to happen and it will be good. So then mamish, our whole life can be filled with tremendous chesed, tremendous joy, and the joy will breed more joy. And this is the way it goes. It's just an endless cycle of joy, bitachin, getting and then rejoicing no matter what we go through. And it's not an ironclad rule. We're not in control of things. Hashem's in control. And He, he knows what He's doing. We try our best. But to go with this kind of specific, I would say, experiential amuna, where this will end, not just to, 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 to believe B'der Chlal, but to experience our faith, to trust in faith so much that we're willing to set aside time and invest the power of our machshava in a brighter future of what can be. Because what can be, in the context of our belief in Hashem, will indeed be. We should be zaycha to hold on to emunah. We should be zaycha to really engage in this avoida from a healthy place of bitachan, from a healthy place of really, really believing that a Baruch Hu wants what's best for us and what's, what we're going through now is already what's best for us. And we can experience the, the revealed good and so we visualize it with confidence, with certainty that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will certainly bring it into being. And Hashem therefore showers us, fills our lives with every kind of abundance, every kind of goodness, every kind of sweetness. We should be zeichet to it all. We should be zeichet to only like the Lubavitcher Rebbe would always finish. He's, he would finish by blessing all the Hasidim with toiv hanire v'haniklis. Not just goodness, because everything's good. Hanire v'haniklis. That we can see, that we can experience basis Hashem. Thank you so much for joining. I want to just remind Chevra, it makes it much easier for me, if you can, if the, if the cameras are on, makes it a little bit easier for me just to feel like I'm speaking to people. But, uh, but I'll call upon him. Thank you very, very, I'll call upon him. Thank you very much for joining. Wishing everybody the most incredible rest of the week. And um, Be'ez Hashem, we'll see you Thursday. Siyat Rishmaya for our, um, for our parasha, for our, for our Shabbos year with Hashem's self. Thank you so much for joining. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thank week. Thank you so much. Kaltuv. Thank you. Amazing. All really the best. Amazing. We should be zaycha to it. Amazing. Thank you. I want. I want it.